If you've uh, got a church Bible, we're going to turn to it and look at God's Word uh, for us this morning. Uh, we're going to look at Ephesians uh, chapter 4, uh, verses 17 uh, to 32, uh, and it's on page 1175 in a church Bible that looks like this. Uh, so do please uh, have one. Uh, we're focusing on, on kind of one verse, especially as part of your kind of topical uh, series on the Holy Spirit, uh, but it's good to have it in, in front of you. And I'm going to read uh, Ephesians 4, beginning at verse 17, uh, page 1175. So, I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every kind of malice, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ uh, God forgave you. Let me just pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you for your word. Uh, I pray that I would uh, not be in the way of it this morning. I pray that I would say things that are helpful uh, and challenging. I pray it would be your words. Uh, Lord, I pray you'd uh, make us ready as a people to hear from you, a living God who speaks through his living word. Father, I thank you for the security and the hope that we can hear about today. Lord, I pray that I'd speak it truthfully and clearly. And Lord, I pray as well that I challenge uh, where our security lies and other things, Lord. It's a, a challenging passage today as we think about where our security lies. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, it's really good to be back. Uh, really good to be back with you. Uh, I'm sorry it's been uh, so long. Uh, I managed to catch up with a, a few of you. Uh, just a few things, if you could pray for us uh, as a church. Uh, we've been praying for you. You guys have been going through a tough time. And, and we love you and we care for you and, and we're praying for you regularly. And uh, we just hope with the days and, and weeks ahead that you have good time together as you go out of this building. I know it may seem like the end of an era, uh, but so many churches have found newness of life and new blessing as they've done that. And so we'll be praying for you. And uh, looking forward to, to linking up, possibly beating you at football, uh, but also uh, uh, praying together over the summer uh, and actually to have uh, a joint service at Lord Bill's, hopefully, which would be great. So uh, looking forward to seeing how that could uh, bless our relationships. But things you could pray about for us. Uh, we've just done Alpha. Uh, we've had a good number of people come. Uh, the challenge is all to uh, move people from alpha to maturity. Uh, the lovely Anna Manzi told me that, that one tip could be that I could send them up the road for six months while they're down at Lord Bills. Uh, so thank you for that, Alan. Uh, but uh, I think we'll try and keep hold of them. Uh, but um, uh, do pray for us as we do that. Uh, similarly, this is the first year where we're kind of financially responsible and, and like all good teenagers, kind of struggling with money in, in one small way. So uh, do please pray for us uh, for God's provision. However, we are growing and so 
thank God that he's brought people to the church too. Uh, and just pray for us as we begin our new season, which is called Grow, where we try and help the church to figure out who they're meant to be in God, so their gifts and talents and, and how to serve and how to bless uh, their community. So that would be great. I know that's a long list. I'll, I'll maybe email it to you and then you can kind of uh, bear with it. It's a great passage today. Uh, if this is your first Sunday, you've picked a good one. Um, it's good to, to be here. So do keep it open. And I've got a question for you as we begin uh, and it will come up on the screen. Um, I'm not very security conscious. I'm not very security conscious. Uh, Claire and I are very different when it comes to, to locking the house. Um, so my, my technique is just to leave the back door open. Uh, that way I don't need to take my keys with me when I come back. Uh, it will always be open. Claire's technique is, is, I guess, much more of the kind of conventional technique, which is to lock the door at every opportunity, even if you're just going out to the car to pick something up and come back to lock, lock the back door. Uh, I've been locked out of the house eight times. We've never been robbed. So maybe that tells you which one of us has the better philosophy. I don't know. Uh, but, but maybe just a quick show of hands. Uh, if you are a security conscious person, raise your hand. If you're a security conscious person, raise your hand. You always lock the back door, double lock it. Okay. If you're like me... Just, you don't mind. Maybe, maybe it's because you're so wise that you don't cling to earthly possessions. You're so holy. You know, if the burglar needs stuff, maybe it's right for him to take it. Maybe raise your hand if that's you. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm not very security conscious, and yet sometimes uh, my security comes from the, the wrong thing. I'm, I'm going to tell you a, a true story to, to help explain. Um, I used to have a bike. Uh, that was the best bike in the world. And that's not just opinion, that is objective truth, okay? Uh, my bike was a white Claude Butler road bike, and I used it to cycle into Oxford when I was studying, as you guys uh, know. And this was the first bike where I ever thought to myself, Do you know what, I'm pretty quick on a bike. All my other bikes, Jeff could beat me on. And, and he used to race me back from office meetings, and he would always win. But my Claude Butler bike was rapid. Um, my, Claude Butler, my Claude Butler bike was so lovely as well. I did a sponsored cycle when I went to Nepal, some of you might remember, and I cycled like 140 miles in a day on it, and I became intimately attached to that bike during that, that day in more ways than one. And, uh, and, and, I, and I, loved, I loved that bike. I loved that bike. And I called that bike Bella. As I was going around on my, my kind of sponsored cycle, um, I named it Bella. Bella was my, my beautiful girl, and I used to cycle uh, every week into Oxford, uh, and back again on Bella. And, and I used to just, it was just a pleasure to ride. It was just on the flat, you were cruising. I was overtaking everyone. You know, I, I was occasionally physically ill through overexertion, but that was not a problem because Bella was always there to catch me up. And I would be honest that they're being slightly more serious. At that time, it was quite a tough time for us. We, we'd just given birth, or Claire had just given birth to Noah. Uh, and, uh, and that was proving difficult with my studies. And, and life was hard, if I'm honest. Balancing kind of being a part time pastor and a part time student was difficult. And, and lots of my joy at that time came from Bella, if I'm honest. Um, I know that sounds really sad to you guys, but, you know, it was, it was nice to feel like you're strong and fit and fast. Maybe some of you can identify with that. One day, one day I was in Oxford and I just thought I'd pick some Lucasade up for the, the cycle home. And so I cycled up to, you know, Tesco Express near the bus stops with that old kind of stony church and there's like a, a, a railing. And I, I locked Bella with a very thin chain lock uh, to the, the fence there thinking, well, you know, it's pretty good security. I've locked my, my pride and joy up. Bombed into Tesco Express, came out, and to my shock and horror, Bella had disappeared. Bella had disappeared. Some of you might remember, actually. I think it was quite a powerful moment. Some of you are nodding, going, oh, man, I you. And, and my, my, my lock was cut, and, and, and all that left was this lock lying on the floor, and Bella had disappeared. And, and, and it was funny, because I was like, you know when you lose a child? I was like running up and down the street going, Bella! <laughs> Bella! <laughs> 
I'm not joking, right? And this, this, this woman came up to me and was like, oh my goodness, have you lost your child? And I was like, no, I've lost my bike. And she kind of went, whoa, okay, fair enough. And then I, I went back to college, and, and Claire will vouch this. I went back to college and phoned her up, right? She answered the phone. I burst into tears instantly. T- that's true? Okay. But I... Claire! The man's taken Bella away from me! Claire then said, who on earth is Bella? <laughs> Didn't know. Didn't know I'd named my bike Bella at that point. That was quite a difficult... Uh, conversation. And I was heartbroken. I was absolutely heartbroken. My joy at the time was wrapped up in this bike. I know that sounds sad, but, but it was getting me from A to B with style and class. And, and my joy w- was, was found in Bella. And, and the insurance company, when I phoned them up, they, I said to them, I just want Bella. I want, maybe I'll call it something like Rubella, a new bike. Uh, <laughs> Uh, just the same. And they said, well, we can't do the same. Uh, we can give you a, a, a bike, a specialised red bike. And I said, I don't want that. I want Bella. And they said, well, we can't do that. It's an old model. We'll give you a new model. And I quite like my new bike, but I've never quite clicked with it in, in the same way. What's the point? Well, the point is this, is that sometimes, sometimes I think our security in God gets misplaced. That sounds quite confusing. What I mean by that is that for me at that time, my joy, rather than being from who I was in God, was wrapped up in Bella, my Claude Butler bike. And when that was robbed, my whole world was rocked. Similarly, at other times in my life, my security has come from other people. So, uh, without trying to embarrass her, because I always talk about her, yeah, there are times where actually Claire is, is much more of a visible face of God than maybe God himself is. Does that make sense sometimes? You know, I know that God's there, but Claire's the one that opens the door when I get home from a tough pastoral visit or a a tough day and she's the one that picks me up and and sometimes I say to God really kind of terrible things like you know God I I will serve you anywhere and anything but if you touch my family I'm done I know that sounds really bad but have you ever kind of felt stuff like that you may not have quite gone to that level but but that kind of conversation with God which is God okay but God okay unless God okay I'll flip it the other around. Maybe you've never thought that in advance, but when something bad happened, you just went, where is God in this? Maybe that's, maybe that's the way it works. Is that kind of a... Some of you are just going, no, you're just so weak. I'm so strong. I've never felt that. Who is this guy preaching? Well, I'm going to try and encourage us today that actually uh, we can find security in a great passage and a great promise uh, from God and, and to try and challenge us uh, about where our security lies. Um, I ask you this question, anyone. It's going to be up on the screen. Have you ever felt like you are just just clinging on. Have you ever felt like you're just clinging on? Um, there's a guy called Andy Stanley who I listen to. He's an American guy. He's quite good. So you can listen to him online. Um, I'm going to just say this at the outset because some of you might switch off as I go on. Um, God gets a very raw deal because sometimes we think, well, if God's not cooperative with me, if I'm asking for something that's really important and he's not doing it, therefore he doesn't exist and therefore my faith is kind of worthless. I know that's quite a big jump, but some people kind of go, well, A happened... Therefore, God's not there, therefore I'm not doing this faith thing anymore. God's uncooperative, he doesn't, he's not doing what I want, why would I even bother following him? Now, Andy Sandy says something quite interesting, he says, nowhere else in life do we link existence to cooperation. The example he gives is, if my wife is uncooperative, I don't start to think she no longer exists, or treat her as such. If uncooperation was a proof of existence or not, my kids don't exist ever. Do you know what I'm saying? And and the challenge is this, is that if God is not cooperating, it doesn't mean he's not there. Because in the rest of life, if we we lived along that way, we wouldn't get very far, would we? 
buses wouldn't exist, trains wouldn't exist, just the coffee machine, when you really need a coffee, wouldn't exist. Like, uh, when you need a car parking space, parking spaces would cease to exist. If things were based on God cooperating in his existence, then we need to kind of change it. Does that make sense? And so for some of you, if you're here today kind of going, well, I, I, you know, I'm not sure about this whole God thing because this has happened to me, or this happened to me, and God didn't do what I wanted, can I challenge you today that actually you need to figure out the most important question of all in this life, which is, well, where does your security come from? Because if it's not from God, a God who by logical nature needs to be eternal and everlasting, and which in history seems to be all-loving, even when he doesn't cooperate with what you desperately want him to do, and we know he's all-loving because the centre point of history is a cross that says this much, this far. And a God who, when his son said, God, if there's any other way, any other way in the garden, any other way, let there be it, but not my will but yours. And God says, there is no other way. This is the depth of my love, that while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. I want to try and challenge you that if your security is in anything else, you are on rocky ground. Let me say why, and this is a bit depressing, but just bear with me. If your security is in stuff, like Bella, stuff will rust and decay. If your security is in your family and their health, sadly, because of the world we live in, your family will get sick. Your family will walk out and maybe run out. I'm not, that, that's not joyful. If you're just waiting, saying, well, I'm going to believe in God, unless that happens, some point that's going to happen. You're, you're kind of cruising for a bruising, as we used to say in school. If your, if your security is found in your stuff and your money, you, you will never be satisfied. Because at the beginning of this Ephesians passage, did you hear? It said that continual lust for more. If I asked you to work out financially how much it would cost to insure yourself and your loved ones against all eventualities, that number would be everlasting. And so my challenge to you today is if you feel like you were just clinging on, the problem is, first and foremost, check what you're clinging on to. Because whilst I might do a nice encouraging thing, saying, well, just cling on to God, cling on to God, there are times where God needs you to stop clinging on to what you were clinging on to. And sometimes, because God is so good, he can do that even in those dark times. I'm going to look at a passage just later on uh, to explain that too. Let's just get on. I'm going to try and explain this as we go through. Um, as we go through. Sealed is our key word today. Sealed, you've been going through a series. I really wish I was here last week. It sounds like an amazing service. You pray for healing and, and you know, that's incredible. Keep praying, keep persevering, keep banging on uh, the door. Sealed. But, but our passage today and the task can be in the next kind of five or so minutes is to talk a little bit about the idea of the Holy Spirit as a seal. Uh, as a seal. Uh, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I want to talk just briefly first about this idea of grieving God. Statement of fact, God really cares about your security. God really cares about your security. Uh, you can look through the Bible to see how much he cares. Uh, Garden of Eden, uh, Adam, uh, he said very clearly, be secure with me here, live in this place, it's perfect for you. Everything you need is here. Uh, you don't need that. Don't touch that. If you touch that, you'll die. Uh, but if you let, stay here, you'll live forever with me. Uh, you, you've looked at Nehemiah, I think, about nine or ten times as you've been doing the building project. It's an easy thing to do. Uh, walls and buildings and stuff. And, uh, and yet in there, there's the security of, of, of building the law again, of, of helping people to realise who they're meant to be here, yeah? but as well as building the wall, because God cared about their security from outside attack. Um, later on, when Jesus talks to his disciples at the end of their time together, he says, I'll be with you always to the very end of the earth. 
You know, don't worry, I'm your your security. Wherever you go, whatever you face, I'll be with you always. God cares about your security. And yet, here's the question then. Um, Some of you say, yeah, I know that, but why doesn't he then do this? Why doesn't he then do this? Why doesn't he fix this? Why doesn't he make this happen? Why is he so slow sometimes? And why is he he this? You need to remember that, that God knows that your security is best found when his glory is found in you not when your glory is found in you. Uh, quick question, just to keep you awake, because some of you, I can tell, are just struggling already. Um, can you have a quick question? Here's a, a Sunday school question for you for two minutes. Can you have a chat together and name someone who faithfully followed God who had a joy-filled and pain-free life? Just have a little chat together. It's like a Sunday school question throughout the whole of the Bible. Have a little chat. Someone who faithfully followed God who had a just, just full-on joy-filled pain-free life. We've got some big hitters here. I'm expecting to go, well, there's about five, but, uh, but, but feel free. So have a little chat just to keep you awake and to keep you involved. Okay. So, people who faithfully follow God in the Bible, joy-filled, pain-free life, full on. Have a little chat. Have a little chat. Thirty seconds. Keep going, twenty seconds. Ten seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, now you might get one or two, but I'm fairly sure they're minor characters. Anyone want to shout some out? Anyone? Be, be clever. Anyone? Enoch. Enoch. Kind of long and joyful life. Kind of. Do you want to explain, just in case people don't know who Enoch is, where you can find him or what he did? Yeah. They don't get much of a detail about his life. Is it, is it fair to say that we might be arguing from silence, possibly? Uh, we could talk about Jesus' ancestor, Salmon. I've always loved him. Salmon. Yeah, feel free to... Not now, but later. We don't hear much about him. Maybe he had a real just joyful life fishing by the river. Who knows? Uh, there aren't many, are there? There aren't many, are there? If you think about major characters, Paul? No. He got bitten by a snake. That was the least of his problems. Shipwrecked a couple of times, beaten a couple of times, falsely imprisoned, uh, peeled to Rome. Uh, Jesus! Oh, no. Uh, The the disciples? No. Uh, Moses? Uh, David? Oh, man, we're struggling, aren't we? Now, here's the point. I'm not trying to be clever. Why, then, do we think our life is going to be any different? Not in a mean way, but we have... A number of things against us. Number one, an enemy that goes around like a roaring lion looking to tear down and destroy. Why do we blame God when we should rail against the one who takes pleasure in children dying in poverty in Africa and actually takes pleasure in, in forming greed in people's hearts to make that happen? Why don't we rail against him? Secondly, the world is fallen and broken. Some of it just happens because that's the way the world is. It's, it's infected by this thing. And there is no 
rhyme or reason behind it. And yet we know that God is still in charge. And yet it's hard, isn't it? Thirdly, we have a God who is so big that he works in all things for the good of those who love him. The good being not your physical comfort or health or wealth. Your good being that you are transformed into the likeness of his son so that one day you'll glorify him in all eternity. Because God's purpose for you now is not, sadly, your comfort and peace temporarily, but he's working in you to to make something that lasts for all eternity. And our bodies are frail. And our our will and strength is weak. And God's working a transformation even in those rough and dark things. And and I can't encourage you enough. Secondly, uh, we're going to play a quick game of true and false just to keep you awake. I can tell some of you are struggling. True or false? Things Jesus said. Jesus said, okay, um, if you want to follow me, uh, pick up your cushions and cappuccinos. <laughs> okay, what's the true answer? Okay, cross. Uh, Jesus says, um, if they rejected me, they will accept you lovingly and give you cushions and cappuccinos. False. What does he say? If they rejected me, they'll reject you also. As the Father sent me, so I sent you. Uh, Jesus says, uh, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you the best of life forever. False. I'll give you rest. I'll I'll be with you. Um, Someone comes to Jesus and says, oh, Jesus, Jesus, I need to go and and bury my family. Jesus says, oh, that's fine, just come back in a couple of days, I'll, I'll fix you an appointment. That's hard, isn't it? That's really hard. So why do we think any different? If when we became a Christian, we knew that was the call that we received, why does that slip over time? Does that make sense? Because if that is the call that we've received to persevere in this life, first the cross, then the crown, why do we get cross when the cross comes? And I know it's because your heart's broken. I know I've been there too. And I'm not trying to bait you down and go, just feel better. I'm not saying that. But Jesus said this, one day I'm coming back. In my Father's house are many rooms. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Those that I have grabbed hold of, no one can snatch out of my hand. And I know that those words may sound hollow at the time that you're in. And if I was sat where you're sat and, and I was feeling the stuff you're feeling, do you know what? I would feel it too. I'd be like, I, I can't do that. But can I encourage you to cling on to a God that will not let you go? But to remember that actually sometimes that's the calling that we received. I, I used to love it. I used to go to holiday camps and... and Kids would stand up and do testimonies, and they would say this. They'd say, oh, my life used to be a mess. My life used to be a mess. I've come to know Jesus, and now it's all fine. And we'd be like, oh, praise God. Hallelujah, that's totally awesome. And yet the best testimonies surely have to be, do you know what? My life was pretty fine. I was living for self and health and comfort and wealth. And then I met God. And now I'm poor and sick and living somewhere where I don't want to live and Helping the people of Tame see Jesus. Uh, it's a bit too personal. Like, that's the testimony, isn't it? That's the testimony of, of everyone in the Bible. If you feel like, well, it shouldn't be that way, can I challenge you that this, it grieves the Holy Spirit, not because he's mean, but because he desperately wants your security to be found in him. And if you're thinking it's not fair, or this isn't the way it should be, test yourself that your security isn't in something else. Because the reason it grieves God is that if your security is found in something else, your foundations will crumble. The picture I want to give you just really quickly, because I'm I'm over time. Um, Imagine you were 
holding on at the, at the window of, of like a big castle that you've built for yourself. You're just clinging on, okay? And you're, you're saying, I'm going to fall! I, I'm going to fall! I'm going to fall! Uh, and normally we would pray, oh Lord, help that person to climb back in to the castle. If you're clinging to something else, can I challenge you that God wants you to fall? Because he knows that the foundations of your castle are going to crumble and he knows that the enemy is already through the door. And, and I know this is a difficult one today, but I want to try and challenge you, that, especially if you're here today and you, don't, and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, can I challenge you, if your security is found in something else other than God, and you may say, well, I don't know how I went out. Well, what's most important to you is the question. If it's found in something else, sadly, this passage is a challenge to you. Secondly, it's an encouragement to you because it grieves God that you currently live for something else or someone else. Because in him alone is found salvation for all time. Can I, can I challenge you about that? That's why it grieves God. Let's move through, just really quickly. Um, moving on. Sealed. Uh, sealed. Three ideas for seal. I, I should probably explain the word seal. Everyone I've spoken to this week did the same joke. They said, oh, what are you speaking on a Sunday? So I'm speaking on the Holy Spirit as a seal. They went, oh, 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 oh. And I was like, no, not that kind of seal. But genuinely, like, everyone, like, and it got to the point where I was like, have you all been talking? Just some kind of, like, you've been framed uh, moment. Three ideas of sealing that might be quite helpful. Um, a tomb was sealed. A tomb was sealed. It was marked as closed, not to be meddled with. It was, it was a place of, of, don't mess. Don't mess. With God then, when the Holy Spirit is a seal, and that's if we like that idea of seal, uh, I could pronounce, or something like that. But, um, not white. I, I was like, no, far, far from it. But that's the Greek. But, but if it is about sealing in, there's a sense of protection, and God's saying, they're mine, don't touch. They're mine, don't touch. If you've got just a, a, a flick, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, just have a little look. Uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 1. Um, verse 12, I think we're looking at Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 12. Um, we'll begin at 11 because uh, they're really good works and then we'll go through to it. Here we go. So it says, uh, In him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Remember I was just saying it's not our will, his will. It's there as well. Uh, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for... The praise of his glory, once again, not my will, but the praise of God's glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. It's all in God's hand. God cares so much about being glorified in you. He doesn't leave it to you to do. He does it in you. He seals you and says, once you're mine, once I've created faith in you, once I've called you and, and predestined you to be yours, Done. Done. There are some challenging passages in the Bible, though, about persevering till the end. If we persevere, you know, go on living the faith. But that's not to, to kind of uh, make it happen. It's just to show the genuineness of what's, what's gone on. Seal. A, a, a tomb was sealed to say, this is done, don't mess. Secondly, uh, this, the kind of seal of, of authenticity. Abraham. Uh, circumcision was a, a seal of, of God's promise to him. Okay, uh, when the Holy Spirit's in us and it creates the fruit of the Spirit, hopefully you've looked at some of that, and, and the gifts uh, of the Spirit and, and kind of the good things that hopefully you guys have been talking about and waiting on God for uh, as a church, um, that's a, a mark of authenticity of faith. Um, more simply, when you say no to stuff that your heart just says, that's so far from what God wants from me, uh, it's a mark of authenticity in your faith. The Ephesians 4 passage we looked at, do you remember it began with lots of behaviours? Don't do this, 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 don't do this. Uh, saying, well, be authentic. Be, be authentic in this. If God's at work in you, which he is, uh, don't mask it. 
Um, lastly, in, in Revelation, there's a, a, a seal, which is like a marking on their head, saying these people are mine, identification uh, kind of mark. Those three things are, are kind of helpful uh, for us if we talk about the Holy Spirit as a seal, uh, really quickly. Um, when you believe you are marked a seal, you are protected. You are, are kept as, as, as God. It's a mark of authenticity in your life. Uh, and lastly, it's, it's a sign of protection uh, for the future. Now, why does this matter? Why does this matter? Some of you are thinking, so what? So what? Let's, let's go on to this. So what? So what? Here we go. So, um, why does this matter? As I've said already, where you place your security is really, 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 really important. If you are here today, and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, you're kind of, you're seeking, the thing we said at Alpha was this, you should spend the rest of your seconds and minutes and hours until you get to a point where you're either certainly sure that God's not there, or God is your saviour. Anywhere else is a very dangerous place to be, because if we're not sure, who knows, uh, that's a very dangerous place to be. So, can I challenge you today, so what? God says, in me is security for all time. I will seal you until the day I come back and bring about all creation back to me. The Bible says one day Jesus is coming back. Glorious. The whole world will bow. People will be before him on their knees. Some people by choice. Some people because they can't help it. It's just that he's so good. And so, so what? Can I challenge you and ask you today, where do you place your security? If you feel like you are just clinging on, are you the sort of person who needs to let go? Or are you the sort of person that goes, actually, no, I was clinging on to God. I need to remember that God's clinging on to me. Secondly, um, so what about this? How do we pray for those in trouble? How do we pray for those in trouble? Okay. One more quick question for you. True or false? Okay. Uh, true or false? This is the way you should pray when you hear about a Christian in trouble. Uh, dear God, I pray uh, that you would remove them from this trouble and uh, let them know your peace. Tricky question. True or false? That's how you should pray. So have a, have a little talk. Have a little talk. Have a little talk. Uh, dear God, please remove them from this trouble and let them know your peace. True or false? That's how you should pray for someone in trouble. Have a talk. Have a talk. Okay, okay, raise your hand if you that's a good prayer, good prayer, raise your hand, good prayer, don't be shy, raise your hand, good prayer, good prayer, good prayer, raise your hand, raise your hand, don't just go, yes, raise your hand, raise your hand, otherwise, okay, some of you are like, I'm, I'm going to half vote, because that way, if I'm wrong, I can very quickly put it down, no one will know, you're allowed to be wrong, raise your hand, that's a good prayer, good prayer, absolutely correct, that is a good prayer, Jeff, well done, the rest is bad, it might not be the only thing you pray though, Okay, it might not be the only thing you pray. Because, uh, here's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12. And we said that Paul was a guy that can speak about this with authority. Yeah? He's the one that wrote Ephesians uh, when he looked back at his life. Uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 12, um, beginning at verse 7. Okay? And this is really, really important as we come to a close. To keep me from being conceited, he was doing a good job. right? He was in God's will. He was planting church all over the place. If anyone deserved a nice life, 
surely him, said, to keep me from being conceited, because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Possibly, some people say epilepsy, maybe some blindness, um, some kind of physical ailment. Some people talk about just this thing that was recurring, didn't know what it was, and it, and it was limiting his ministry. He says at that point, uh, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. If you said it was a good prayer to say, remove the trouble, absolutely right. You're allowed to. I'm not saying don't do that. I don't just go, Lord, thank you for more misery. Lord, thank you so much for more misery. In fact, I could probably take more misery. Uh, Why don't you just let my bike be stolen? Like, it's not that. We're not reveling in ministry. You can can pray for help. However, he then says this. This is is really key, and we're going to come to a close. If you feel like you're just clinging on today. Three times I've pleaded with the Lord for him to take away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I can tell some of you aren't blown away by that. But, but I hope you, you, you can say, actually, so what? If you're feeling weak and you're feeling like you're not clinging on, can I ask you to, to say these words? Uh, God's grace is sufficient for me. His power is made perfect in my weakness. God's grace is sufficient for me. His power is made perfect in my weakness. And keep saying it and keep saying it and keep saying it, even when it's hard. Because actually those times where where you are broken and and the least, God is still there. And actually, Paul could delight in it because he knew that, that, that one day there was a hope to come. And it may be that God says no to the end of your days. And it may be that on your deathbed you lie there going, do you know what, I really wish I knew why God had said no to that. And yet the minute, in the twinkling of an eye, when that transformation comes, these light and momentary troubles will be nothing compared to the glory that we'll see in Christ Jesus. When you see God as he is, I promise you, you won't run up to him and go, why was that? I've always thought that. I've said that a few times. God, I was going to come up to him and run up and go, why didn't you answer my prayer? Actually, I won't. Because I'll see God as he is. And it will make sense because God's work is for his glory in eternity. And it will have been a part of that. How do you pray for someone? You say, Father God, I pray you'd remove their trouble if that's your will. But not our will, but your will. Lord, let your grace be sufficient for them. Let your power be made known in their weakness. That's a good way to pray. When you hear about the persecuted church, you say, Father God, give them the strength and courage to stand so that others may see your strength in their weakness. Father God, I pray that they wouldn't fight so people see them and go, look how well they're fighting. But pray that they would fight in God's strength through their weakness so people would say, I can see God's strength. Does that make sense? That's a good way to pray. So what? How do you respond to trouble and pain? I hope that if you've just remembered the stuff we talked about, why would your life be any different? Everyone else's life who followed God had troubles and, trouble, troubles and tribulations. Maybe that's an encouragement to you. I didn't mean that to be like, a, oh goodness, you're absolutely right, that's rubbish. But that's the calling we receive. So you know, live up to the calling that you've received. Persevere till the end. First the cross, then the crown. Maybe that will help today. Uh, Lastly, lastly, your assurance of glory. Because God cares so much about you glorifying him in all eternity, he doesn't leave it to you. Some people have problems with the idea of predestination. They don't like it. Where's my choice? Well, God says you've chosen throughout history to not live in the security that I've given. I'll tell you what, this matters so much to me. Your salvation matters so much to me. My son being glorified matters so much to me. I'll take the initiative. I'll make sure it happens. Cling to me, but I will cling to you, doubly strong. That's why I'm assured by it. That's actually a hopeful thing for me, because there are times where I've let go, actually. I've said to God, you know what, enough. Enough, I'm done. And yet it's at at those moments where God says, actually, do you know what? My grace is sufficient for you. 
but power is made perfect in your weakness. And when I'm weak, he is strong. I hope that encourages you. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing and uh, sing a great hymn before people come. Let's pray. Father God, it's easy to say the words. Uh, and yet, Lord, I want to thank you and praise you today that you assure us of glory. Uh, you challenge us to live lives worthy of that, that, Father God, we have the Holy Spirit within us to live and to pass on uh, the security that we found in you. Father God, people who are secure don't just sit in home or, or hidden away. People who are secure can do, go and do great things. Uh, Father God, I pray that when we find our security in you, we wouldn't stay still with it, but that, Lord, we'd say, well, where to? Uh, where would you have me go? Father God, I pray you'd help us to remember the calling that, that Jesus gave. It wasn't easy. Uh, Father God, this isn't the broad path that we walk. We walk the narrow one. We go through the narrow gate. We walk a path that hurts our feet and is steep. And yet, Father God, we walk in assurance, knowing that because you're a God who cares about glorifying yourself in us, that, Father God, we know that that, that will happen. And so, Lord, I pray uh, for those today who are suffering and struggling, for who have heard news and have heartache at the moment, and are calling out to you. Father God, firstly we pray, remove those thorns from them. Father God, we pray, remove those troubles from them. Father God, show your will in that. But Lord, we also pray, not our will, but your will. And so we pray too, Lord. I pray that your your strength would be found in their weakness. Father God, I pray that your grace would be sufficient. Lord, I pray as a church, we would be that grace. We would speak words of love and care. We would cook and bake and walk and hug and cry and mourn and rejoice with them so that your grace can be seen in us, Father God. Lord, I pray for this church. Uh, It's going through an awful lot at the moment. Uh, And yet, Lord, we may talk about an uncertain future, but Lord, our, our future with you is certain. I thank you that, God, you've taken hold of us that, Father, you never let go. Lord, I pray that, that when we are weak, we would know that you are strong. And, Lord, help us to live in the promise of that. In Jesus' name. Amen.